Amen. You can take a seat. Well, my name is Tim. I'm the pastor of Phoenix Bible Church. Uh, the meets here on Sundays. If I haven't met you yet, I would love to do so after tonight is over. Uh, but this is the last porch of the semester. Come on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You should be a little bit sad. Uh, it's been a fantastic semester of the porch. Uh, this is porch Christmas. And so I had uh, taped on my sweater a Christmas tree just to get in the Christmas uh, season. And, and I know a couple of other, uh, others of us have Christmas sweaters on. And you look around this room, you see it's, it's Christmas season and full gear at Phoenix Bible Church and the porch. Uh, and here's the reality for us at the Christmas season. Uh, most all of us, whatever stage of life you're in, if you're in college, young adult, young professional, whatever the case is for you, you expect with the Christmas break a, a break, right? Amen? Like, maybe you're in college and you're about to go home for, like, it's like four weeks, isn't it? Like, it's, it's a long time, and you think, I'm about to get a break. Like, finals are about to be over. I'm looking forward to that, that break. Maybe you live in Phoenix, you've graduated college, working a job, and you're like, hey, I'm still going to get a break. It's not going to be like when I was in college, but it's going to be a break. I'm going to get a little bit more time off work. I'm going to hang out with family and friends, do some shopping, whatever. And I'm looking forward to that break as I hit the Christmas season. I know that is the way it is for me. I'm a, I'm a dad of three kids. I have a wife. I have a job, all those things. But even for me, uh, Christmas time is kind of busy at the church. But I still think, like, but we're going to go look at the lights. And I'm going to get a break. And especially as we start the Christmas season, that's what I think, that's how I view the Christmas season. But here's what inevitably happens. I imagine it happens for you just like it happens for me. The Christmas season starts. I start seeing the break, the rest. It's all coming at me. And I'm like, I'm so excited about it. And I start thinking about, like, family. Like, it's going so, to be such a break, rest, to, to be with family. And then I, I'm with family for, like, two to three days. And I'm like, my family is like full of drama. And they're not very restful. And this isn't the break that I was expecting. And I need a break from the break. Like, I need a break from my family. I go into Christmas season thinking about, like, hey, this Christmas season, I'm going to recharge and get a break. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to read some books. Like, as I kick off the new year, what books have I, have I not read in 2019? What do I want to read? And I'm going to get all these books, and I'm going to read them. And before I even crack one book... I see the ad for that new show on Netflix, or I just see the ad for Disney Plus. Come on, somebody. And I'm just like, Jaya, that looks so nice. Like, forget the books. Like, push those to the side. Disney, every movie, right? It's a beautiful thing. Okay. Uh, but then I never read and I never recharge through, through reading these books. I, I look at gifts, and I start to think, well, like, I like gifts, like, I like to give them, I like to receive them, and I start making the list of, like, what to get and who to buy for. And as we have three kids, and, and my oldest is 10, and her list is long, <laughs> right? And it's expensive, right? It's like iPhone 8, iPhone 9, <laughs> iPhone 10. I mean, it's like all the iPhones. She wants the iPad with the pencil built in and all these things. And I'm just like, I start looking at gifts, and I'm like, what, what I thought was going to bring me, like, joy and break is starting to bring me stress because I realize I'm broke, or I'm going to be at the end of this, right? And then just in general, I just think about rest, and then I'm like, hey, we're going to get some time off and just to, some time to chill out. And then I start looking at our calendar with my wife and start looking at every uh, calendar date has a dot on it. And that dot says, like, this Christmas party and this Christmas celebration and this event with family. And I just start to add them all up. It's like 15 Christmas parties. Like, who scheduled this? Then I'm like, oh, it was me. And... Uh, <laughs> And I'm like, how are we going to get some rest through this process? And before the Christmas season even, even really gets rolling, I feel 
exhausted. <laughs> I don't feel rested. And I would imagine for some of you, you, you've experienced enough Christmas breaks like that, where you roll into 2020, in this case, the new year, and you're just like, man, all those books I wanted to read and all that family I thought was going to be quality time and all the gifts and all the rest I thought was going to happen, it didn't happen, and I am exhausted. And I love you, and I know the Hyde's love you, and as we thought about how to end this, uh, I want to give you a way to have true rest, biblical rest, to have real rest over the Christmas holidays. Again, whatever your season is, if it's a day of rest, if it's a few weeks of rest, I want you to learn how to, to rest according to God's word. And so we're going to look at that together. Uh, Psalm 46 is where we're going to go. So grab a Bible, grab your Bible app, uh, pull that up. If you just go to your, your middle of your Bible, just open it right up, you'll get close to Psalm 46. We're going to talk about real rest. Psalm 46 Looking at verse 10 and 11, it says this. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Now, if you are new to church, this is often thought of as a coffee cup verse. Right? You ever heard that? Uh, you may have seen this verse maybe uh, at home. Maybe you have this in a, in a frame in your house, like, be still and know that I am God, right? And, and a lot of us, we think of this verse as like a coffee cup verse. And what that means, if you're new to, like, Christianity and don't understand Christian culture, that's actually probably a good thing uh, that you don't understand this. But here's what that means. It doesn't just mean that be still and know that I'm God fits around a coffee mug well. When we say it's a coffee cup verse, what we mean by that is it's like a nice verse, like a sweet verse, like a safe verse, like that everybody likes. Whether you're a believer or not, you're just like, be still and know. Like it just makes you feel like warm and cozy on the inside, right? And that's what we mean by a coffee cup verse. But if you actually read your Bible, which is a good thing to do, and you get the context, you realize this isn't a coffee cup verse. This is a convicting verse. It's a powerful verse. If you look at the context, the context comes out of 2 Kings 18 and 19. That's the backdrop for this psalm. Most psalms have a backdrop in our Old Testament. If you read them and you see like, oh, David's writing uh, Psalm 51 of repentance. Oh, you actually flip over and read like First and Second Samuel and you see like David committed adultery and he murdered somebody. And this psalm of repentance all of a sudden has a lot more meaning, right? You ever read that? And so this is the same way. Psalm 46 is reflective of 2 Kings 18 and 19. And it's describing in a, in a poetical way uh, a real scene that is happening. If you just scroll back a few verses, Psalm 46, verse 2 says this, the earth is giving way. Psalm 46, verse 3, it says the waters are roaring, the mountains are trembling. And that's describing a scene where it actually felt like that. That's describing a scene in 2 Kings 18 and 19 where King Hezekiah and the people of Judah, they feel like everything's caving in on us. And they felt like that because if you go read 2 Kings 18 and 19, they have about 185,000 soldiers surrounding them. And they weren't just like any soldiers fighting up against them. They were Assyrian soldiers. Now, if you've ever just taken like a history class, right, you know about the Assyrians and know that they were brutal. Uh, we know from even just scripture that they would skin people alive. And so these people, 185,000 of these people in 2 Kings 18 and 19 are surrounding King Hezekiah and the people of Judah. 
And that's the backdrop for Psalm 46. King Hezekiah, in that moment, he cries out to God for deliverance. As he cries out to God for deliverance, his enemy, the Assyrians, they began to not just surround him, but taunt him. And they began to say to King Hezekiah through messengers of sorts, and they say, hey, hey, your king, your God's not going to deliver you. I mean, lots of gods have been unsuccessful in doing that. Lots of people have prayed, God help us, save us from the Assyrians, and it doesn't happen. We conquer nation after nation after nation. If we want to destroy you, we will. And that's the picture. And King Hezekiah is crying out for help in this scene of, hey, be still and know that I'm God. It comes out of that. It's a battle cry. Right? You can knit it in a blanket if you want. But it's a battle cry. Right? That's why Martin Luther, great old theologian, he wrote a hymn based on Psalm 46, and it's called the Battle Song of the Reformation. Right? So all of a sudden, you start to get some context and be still and know that I am God around a coffee mug. It has some power behind it, amen? Right? It has some, some power behind uh, the context of these verses. But if you just look at the actual text, be still, look at it, verse 10, that literally means cease striving full stop. And, and, and that's powerful, that's, that's convicting, right? Because if we just read that, like, be still, cease striving, full stop, and we look at our lives, we realize quickly, like, we don't know how to do that, right? You look at our culture, especially in the Christmas season, we're so busy. We, we've taken built-in mandatory stops, like a stoplight and a bathroom. And, and we've said, no, like, I know I'm supposed to be still in those moments, but I'm going to get some work done. And I'm going to check out what everybody's doing so I can stay completely up to date with everyone in the universe on Instagram, right? And you're like on the toilet. And biologically, God prescribed the toilet for you to be a be still, full stop, cease striving. <laughs> but you're like, nuh-uh, nobody's going to hold me down. And that's at the stoplight, that's at the toilet, right? We, we've seen like sunsets, which God prescribed like to kind of tell us like the lights are turning off, right? You need to stop. And we see that beautiful sunset, and we like for a moment we stop. We're like, oh, that's pretty. And then we're like, oh, I gotta do some stuff, and I gotta be busy. And what are we doing tomorrow? What are we doing for the rest of the week? And ah, right? And we've taken every moment that could be a full stop, and, and we don't do it. We don't know how to be still. Now, why is this a problem? Two reasons. One is it's crippling us. I read an article uh, this week in Business Insider, and it said this that anxiety and depression and burnout are all on the rise at a greater percentage than other demographics just for people 23 to 38. Now, some of you are like on the cusp of 23. Some of you are in that range of age. Basically, what it's saying is like that millennial age group is experiencing a higher rise in anxiety, depression, and burnout than other demographics in our society. And they attributed it to many things, but a few of the things were loneliness, were being overworked, and something like social media. Anybody convicted, right? That a lot of the reason our, our culture and our age group or your age group specifically is feeling burnt out, depressed more than ever before is because we don't ever know what it's like to just stop, right? And so it's crippling us, but it's also affecting our relationship with God. Um, be still and rest isn't just a suggestion, it's a command, right? It's the fourth commandment, right? In the 10 commandments, the big 10, right? It's the fourth commandment. We, we often don't think about this commandment. We think about like don't steal, don't covet, don't commit adultery, don't murder, check. Got that one. But remember the Sabbath, rest, 
and keep it holy. We don't think about that one. I, I think that's one of the most disobeyed commands in all of the Bible. It's in the top five, at least. Because we don't even think of it like a command. And right now, some of you are thinking, okay, t- Tim, like, be still, rest. All right. But I got like 15 hours of class. And I do still have finals left. And I don't even know how that's going to work. And I'm going to be so exhausted from finals. Like, I don't know if I can actually just calm my nerves and rest after that. Some of you are thinking like, yeah, Tim, school ends or work ends for a little while. But then I do have the drama of my family. And they are nonstop. And my parents are divorced. And it's not just go to one house where everybody gets along and we all just sing kumbaya. It's go to this person's house and spend time with them, then do a second Christmas with them. And then like auntie and uncle over there, like they need their own Christmas because they don't get along with this uh, person in the marriage because they think it's their fault for the reason they got divorced. And before you know it, you're like four or five Christmases in and you're exhausted. And some of you are already seeing a preview of your life in that way, right? And you're thinking like, Tim, I can't rest. Like, I have to work extra hours during the holidays just to make ends meet. Like, I can't rest. And listen, there's a reason why God made it a command. Because he knew if he made it a suggestion, you would think you're the exception. And so he makes it a command and just says, hey, remember the Sabbath, keep it holy. It's a command. Like, you have to figure out how to do this. It's sin if you don't. You have to come to a full stop. You have to learn what it means to be still. Now, I know that is some of us. I think for the rest of us, some of us, when we think uh, rest, be still, like we get excited. Like you're not one of those people who's thinking, I'm going to be stressed out and busy over the holidays. You're just like, man, yeah, Tim, preach. Like, I need to rest. This is a great sermon. I'm so glad I came. Like, I'm tired, and like, I need to rest. And you start thinking, like, I want to go see some lights, and I want to enjoy the food, and I want to just read some books and and get some rest. And like, this is so good, because this is exactly what I need to hear. And for some of you, when you hear rest, be still, you actually are thinking about relaxing. And and, and there's a difference, right? Relaxing versus rest. Uh, Here's a few questions that I think highlight the difference. Uh, Relax involves these questions. It involves how can I get away for a bit? How can I just kind of stop and unwind? Uh, re- relax, ask, what's on Netflix or Disney Plus? Uh, relax, ask, hey, where's the ice cream? Hey, hey where's, the, where's the food? What are we eating for dinner? Like, what are we going to eat on this break? Relax, ask those questions. Listen, I, I like Netflix. I, I love ice cream. Uh, So I'm not shaming you if you go to those things, but I'm just saying those are things that help relax you. They don't actually give you true rest, be still, full stop, right? Uh, Here are some questions that involve be still, true rest. You can write these down. What renews my mind? Like, what revitalizes my relationships? What will restore my soul? That's, that's the be still that the psalmist is talking about. Like, what renews my mind? Yeah, what can I read? How can I get in God's word? What restores my soul? Like, what actually, when I, when I walk away from doing that, I, I feel at peace with God. And even if my body is still moving, my soul is actually at rest. And I feel at peace with God and at peace with other people. And what does that? What revitalizes my relationships? Like, not just we all sit in a circle and sit on our phone and never engage full face. No, that doesn't revitalize our relationships. What actually does that? What kind of conversation does that? That's, that's true rest. And see, here's why this is important. 
and all of you know this at some level because you've experienced it, is if you just relax like Netflix, Disney Plus, ice cream, you still come back to the same issues. Even if you go on vacation, and maybe it's relaxing, like it's built-in relaxation, you come back to the same issues. And specifically with things like Netflix and now Disney Plus, when you go to that for relaxation, you wake up the next day, same issues, you're just more tired, right? Because you did binge watch that next season of Stranger Things, right? And you're more frustrated, you're more irritated, right? And so we have to figure out, like, what does true rest look like, not just relax, relaxation? And that's what this text is talking about. How do we do that? I just want to give you one simple thing before we keep moving forward. You have to prioritize and plan stillness and true rest. I don't know how many of you, as you're going into the holidays, you're planning your schedule, what I'm going to do, family, friends, I'm going to see places we're going to eat, traditions we're going to experience, parties we're going to attend, all those things. But how many of you have stopped to say, hey, what's my plan? How am I going to prioritize stillness and true rest over the holidays? What is that going to look like? And I would tell you, in that plan needs to be some yeses and some nos. Just learning from my experience, you're going to have to say no to some things to say yes to some things. Like if you want to say yes to like relationships that are revitalized, if you want to say yes to quality time, engaging full face with another human being that's going to help restore your soul, if you want to say yes to that, you're going to have to say no to your phone. I know. It's hard, right? But you're going to have to put the phone down to engage and experience rest with a real human being. If you're going to say yes to time with God, like, hey, this Christmas break, like, I actually want to, I do want to read. I want to learn more about God. I want to be challenged in my life. If you're going to say yes to time with God, then you may, may need to say no to that fifth event for the week. You may need to say no to that extra shift at work at times. You may need to say no to that extra season of, on Netflix that you want to watch. You have to say yes to some things and say no to some other things. That's how you have to prioritize stillness and true rest in your life. It won't just happen. God is omnipresent. You are not. You can't do everything. You can't take on every shift at work. You can't go to every event. You can't keep up to date with everything that's going on in the world all the time through Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. You will never rest. You got to say no to that so you can say yes to, to true rest. Now, this isn't just a feel-good sermon, a practical sermon on how to rest better because you can be more efficient in life. That would not be very helpful, right? And that's not what the psalmist is saying. He's talking about our second point, which is a rest that leads to a trust. Look at verse 10 again. It says this, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Notice it's not just, hey, rest is helpful. It's rest to trust. It's rest. Be still so what? You can know that he is God. So you can know that he is exalted. It's almost as if if you're not still, you won't be able to trust God. You won't know that he is God and you are not. You won't recognize that he is exalted and you shouldn't be. It's a prerequisite. Be still. Rest so that you can trust. One commentator said it this way. He said, God invites us to take a holiday, to stop being God for a while and let him be God. For some of you, the biggest reason why you're exhausted is you don't trust God, and you're not willing to. 
And you hear that, and some of you are thinking, like, Tim, no, it's, like, my lack of rest has nothing to do with trusting God. <laughs> it is my, my class schedule. Like, it is my, my work hours. It is my family. They're exhausting. Like, it is the, the relational drama I have around me. Like, it, is the, it has nothing to do with trusting God while I'm not resting. And, and you're just like, I just need my schedule. Like, I just need, like, my list of priorities to work out. And I, I just need my task list to be accomplished. And I just need my life to work out the way I want it to work out. And I would say to you, your problem is trust. Because you just need mine and I and I and I in order to ensure everything works out to the way you want it to be, you have to do everything that you think you need to do. And the idea of stop, full stop, be still, cease striving, trust God, you're like, but yeah, but what, if, what if my outcomes don't work out? And what if my dreams and ambitions don't work out? And what if my job suffers? And what if my class schedule suffers? And what if my parents don't think I like them? And what if my friends don't like me? And what? It's rooted in trust. This is a be still so you can know who is God. He, it's him, not you. And at some point, you have to choose. Uh, uh, several weeks ago, we were in a series called What is Love? And we did a sermon on friendship. And I was in the back like I always am, and I was talking to people. And this one guy comes up and talks to me. And he had told a few other people, like, hey, I want to talk to the pastor. And so they, they came and got me, and we were sitting right back there where Kyle is. And uh, we were talking, and he just starts out, remember, sermon on friendship. Just keep that in the back of your mind. Just had that sermon right after the service, back of the service. We're talking, and he says, hey, so the, the demons <laughs> and the devil, the, they left heaven, right? Sermon on friendship. <laughs> and so I'm like reorienting my mind. Okay, okay, here we go. Uh, and he's like, yeah, they were initially like they weren't demons and the devil. They were angels, right, that rebelled, and they left heaven and became demons and became the devil. And I was like, well, you know, there's a lot of different texts on that. But yeah, for the best that we can tell, like scholars think and what we can tell from scripture, yeah, they were angels and they really wanted to be God themselves. They didn't want to worship God. And so they wanted to be God. And so they rebelled and they, they, did, left heaven. they did leave heaven. And so he says, well, hey, what if they left heaven because it wasn't that great? It's a good question. I never thought about that. Right? Uh, sermon on friendship. Uh, <laughs> And so I'm like, okay, um, yeah. And he's like, and what if, uh, what if I get to heaven? And his, he had some hardships in life, and his wife had left him, and all these things were going wrong. And he said, what if I, like, I faithfully pursue God through all of that and obey God through all of this turmoil in my life, and it's so hard and it's such a cost to me, and I deny myself and take up my cross through all of these hardships, and I do all of that, and what if I get to heaven? And I don't like it. And what if I want to rebel? Just like Satan. And I said to him, after we talked about that just a little bit, I said, you know, man, I get it. Like wrestle, doubt. I'm a pastor. I do that. I think about what's heaven going to be like. I think about is all this worth it? And, and is it, are we doing the right thing, following Jesus and sacrificing and those things? And, but at the end of the day, after I wrestle and after I doubt, I have to think, am I going to trust God or am I going to trust myself? Because there's only two options, right? At, at the end of the day, if we're not trusting God, in some form or fashion, we're trusting ourselves. Like our intellect, our atheism, our, our belief that there is no God, our belief that heaven isn't going to be that great. At some point, we're trusting ourselves. And I choose 
to trust in an infinite, powerful, and holy God who has revealed himself through the 66 books, 40-plus authors of Scripture, who sent Jesus Christ. Historically, we can look back and see there was a man named Jesus. He did live. He did die. And we don't know what happened with the body. And 500 people saw him alive. And according to ancient, other ancient texts and manuscripts, we have more copies of, of the Bible than we do of any other ancient text. And I choose at the end of the day, even amidst my doubt, I'm going to trust God, not myself. Because I'm finite, and I know myself, and I don't know everything. And so at the end of the day, I'm going to trust God. And so what I would say to you, you got a schedule, you got classes, you got family drama, you got busyness. Who do you trust? Do you trust your schedule and your task list and your way of doing things? Fragile as that is, sinful as that is. Or are you going to trust God? Are you going to be still and have the courage? Listen, it takes courage to be still. It takes courage to rest. It takes courage to step back and say, like, God, I'm going I'm to pray instead of worrying about this. Like, I'm going to submit this to you. I'm not going to try to control it. I'm going to submit it. Listen, a lot of us, we deeply struggle. I struggle with that. Like, I struggle with trusting God and just I want to control everything. Uh, one simple example is me as a parent. I, I'm a parent of, of three kids. And what my wife and I will do, we've been married 13 years. Our oldest is 10, so we had a lot of different seasons of being a parent. Some seasons of just like sleep schedules and, and cleaning diapers. Uh, some seasons of like how do you feed the kids and what, how do you get them to eat dinner, right? You have all this to look forward to. Uh, some seasons of like, yeah, how do you do the holidays? How do you develop traditions? Some seasons of discipline and like, what does that look like? And, and now seasons of like, how do you deal with technology and Instagram and TikTok? Right? Pray for me. Um, um, uh, pray for me, please. Um, but like, we've had a lot of different seasons, but throughout all these seasons, we're like, we need to get a book to read. In fact, we're in one of those seasons right now because of TikTok. <laughs> and we're like, what, what's the book we need to read on that? And like, how do we deal with Instagram and, like, like how do we do this? And, uh, but we've read some books. Like, we read books on sleep schedules that you're supposed to read, right? And we read the books, and, and here's, here's how it went down. We would read the book and think, okay, we got it. Like, we got the strategy. We, we'd get the chore chart. And not just, like, the flimsy one with the magnets that you put on it. We'd get, like, the chalkboard with a nice calligraphy, <laughs> right? Like, we, we'd go all out. We got the strategy. Like, we know what we're doing. And here's what would happen. It would work for a little while. Like our kids would sleep through the night. They would eat their dinner. They would clean their room. And we're just like looking at each other like, it's working. Like, it's working. And we would be really proud of ourselves. And like a soccer game on Saturday, we'd show up to the soccer game. And we would just have a different strut about us, right? And we'd see the other parents who were just like drowning their sorrows in coffee. And just like, my kids won't obey. And like, he's not playing soccer. He's not kicking the, the ball in the goal. Like, he's picking flowers. <laughs> and we would see them and just like, you're so miserable. Like, I remember when I was like you. <laughs> like, I remember we were struggling. To, like, two days of success, right? And we would just be like, man, we're doing so great. And we would just be a little puffed up. And like, we got the strategy. We got the control. Like, it's all under wraps. And then what would happen? The next day would happen. And our kid would be like still sweet but sinful. And they would start like talking back again and start not eating their food and stop and start getting up for water over and over in the middle of the night and not sleeping. And that strategy that we thought we had it under control, that we were 
at the end of the day, putting our trust in. We thought, man, we don't know. Should we even be parents? Like, we don't even know what we're doing. I mean, it's just like the next day we thought that. And like a, a roller coaster at Six Flags, we were like up and down, up and down. And we're still like that at times. And we have to stop and say, okay, yeah, let's get some strategies, but let's be still. And let's surrender being a parent to God. And, and that's what I would submit to you. Whatever it is in your life, your job, your classes, your family, your parents' divorce, whatever sin you have, you don't need a strategy at the end of the day. You need to be still and trust God. Know that he is God. He is exalted. He's strong enough to invade your life. Even as you stop, that's often when he starts moving, and you need to trust him. He's more powerful than you are. Be still and trust God. Last point. Uh, this is a rest that leads to a trust. This is a rest that leads to strength. Look at verse 11 with me. It says this. It says, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Literally, that's a, a military stronghold fortress. Uh, the message version says it this way. The Jacob wrestling God fights for us. The God of angel armies protects us. Now, circling back, the context. Remember, 2 Kings 18 and 19. That scene of Hezekiah, the people of Judah, they're surrounded by an army of 185,000 Assyrian soldiers who are not just surrounding them but taunting them, right? Remember that scene? That's the backdrop. And so as we see, okay, the Lord of hosts, the God of angel armies is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress, literally our military stronghold. That takes us back to that scene when Hezekiah is crying out for deliverance. God, God you gotta help us. You gotta do something, and in the midst of that scene, here's what God does in 2 Kings 18 and 19. He sends an angel of the Lord to bring desolation. And through that one angel of the Lord, it's amazing, you should go and read it, God destroys all 185,000 of those soldiers. And Hezekiah, and I can just try to picture this, he walks out after crying out, sure death is coming, it's the Assyrians, they skin people alive. He walks out sees 185,000 people killed by one angel of the Lord. And maybe the ground was full of blood. And all these people are dead. And that's the backdrop as we pick it up, Psalm 46, verse 8, where it says, Come and behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow, shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Verse 10, be still and know that I'm God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Coffee cup verse has some power behind it, right? God brought desolation. I mean, you almost read that. It's a little scary. And you think, be still and know that I'm God. Like, I knit that in my blanket. And I, that's different when I think about it that way. God destroyed 185,000 people. He, he made a war cease. He literally broke the bow. He shattered the spear. He brought desolation on the earth. So that he could say, be still 
know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations, among the earth. I am, I'm the God of Jacob. I'm a military stronghold. I'm the God of, of a host of angel armies. Like, that's who I am. That's who, be still and trust God isn't a cute, safe, sweet verse. It's a battle cry. And some of you tonight may feel like I'm in a battle or I'm about to go into a battle because I am going home to a tough scene where my parents don't get along. Maybe they're still together, but I know there's going to be tension. I am going home, and I know i got to say no to some things and no to some people that are just not good for me, not good for my walk with Christ. And i got to say no to them, but I know if I say no to them, I'm going to disappoint them, and they're not going to like me. And, like, it is, it's exhausting, and it's stressful, and it's anxious. And in some way, you feel like, hey, I'm in a battle. And as you hear this sermon and you hear, be still, rest, trust God, you think, Tim, that's all you got? Last portrait of the semester? Oh, just be still, okay. Trust God, okay. And you think, Tim, I need more than that. Listen, if you are there, if you think that when you hear, be still and trust that, that he is God in the midst of your battle, if you think I need more than that, then you are drastically underestimating the power of God. You have the Lord of hosts, the God of angel armies, a military stronghold. And Psalm 46, here's what it's about. That God is with you. He, he's with you. If you know Jesus Christ, if you put your trust in him, he lives inside of you. That God, the God of the Old Testament, the God of Psalms, is the God today in 2019. That God is with you. And so as you be still, as you, as you rest, as you trust him, as you understand that he is going to be exalted in the midst of your battle, man, you tap into the, the greatest power source in all of the universe when you do that. And so... How do you get the the most out of your Christmas season, your break, and not end up exhausted? You be still, but it's not just so you can rest and feel better about yourself. It's so that you can tap into power and a God who is coming to, to rescue you in the midst of your battle, to give you that stillness that you don't know if you can find, that you don't know if you have time for. Trust him, and he's gonna give it to you. And so tonight, some of you, you have some homework to do, and your homework is asking these questions. Hey, hey, what actually renews my mind as I enter this break? What actually restores my soul? What's actually going to revitalize my relationships? What do I need to say yes to? What do I need to say no to? How can I be still and know that he is God and rest and experience true rest in my life? Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for these uh, men and women. Uh, I thank you for um, just their presence here and just some understanding of they need true rest. And true rest happens in worship unto you. And I imagine there's lots of other things they could be doing right now and lots of other places they could have gone and homework they could have worked on. uh, But God, something in them, and I believe it's your Holy Spirit, said, hey, no, you need to go and be still and rest and worship and and sing songs and be reminded and, and hear a sermon and be reminded that, that you're God and that um, you're God not just over our life and 2019 and Christmas break. You're God over everyone's life and every year and every break and every 
non-break of the year. God, you're God over it all. And God, I pray that tonight would just be a reminder of that and a reminder that we can stop and get a full stop. And we can see striving and we can trust you. And I just pray against the, the works of the enemy tonight that would just tell people that they can't do that or that they just need to unwind. And it's really just about watching a season on Netflix or it's really just about like escaping with some substance or sex. And then if I do that, then I'll feel better. And I just pray against the enemy that would tell us those lies and pray that in this moment, each one of us would trust you and trust you for real rest and say no to some of those other things so we can experience you, so we can experience true rest. Father, we need your help to do that. Uh, You're so good to us to help us, to help us be still. I pray that you would help us now in the name of Jesus.